Are you ready? Ready to release internal pain? To find confidence, clarity, and direction for your future? To live a life of meaning, fulfillment, and contribution? To trust your intuition again, but something's been holding you back? You've come to the right place. Welcome. I'm Ian Hawkins, the host and founder of the Grief Code podcast. Together, let's heal your unresolved or unknown grief by unlocking your grief code. As you tune in to each episode, you will receive insight into your own grief, how to eliminate it and what to do next. Before we start, I have one request. If any new insights or awareness land with you during this episode, please send me an email at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com and let me know what you found. I know the power of this work and I love to hear the impact these conversations have. Okay, let's get into it. Welcome everyone. Had a break last week. We're back and this week's guest, Mark Boness. How are you, Mark? I'm awesome and I'm ready and raring to go, buddy. Awesome. Great to hear. Now, I did some work with you going back a fair few years and that was around building a community online. Now, I know that's not the only thing you do now. So for the audience, I'd love for you to share more about who you are and what it is that you actually do. Yeah, I'd say I'm an entrepreneur, um, so that means I, I, I do lots of things. I, I've gone from a place of struggling to grow my business to building a multiple seven-figure business, and then that brings about kind of money and opportunities. So I run a PR company uh, with a business partner. I help coaches to grow and scale their businesses, and I also am I'm building an app um, called Inspo, which will enable people to receive personalized advice from celebrities, influencers, and experts that they look up to and admire. So lots going on there. Plenty. That's cool. And no surprise, you're a, you're a big picture thinker, so I'm sure you've always got lots of ideas on the go. So within all of that, you're an entrepreneur. What What's at the essence of all of those things? So I know it's you, but what do you bring to the table? Is it the creating expansion for people is it the community aspect or is it something else i think ultimately for me um I, from such a young age i had this realization this profound realization that we live life once as far as we know on planet earth and i yeah. think that that just captivates me all the time so you know, we've got this one opportunity to be here and so often we live a life that's so substandard to to what we can potentially create um, and so that, i think that's the driving force of everything that i do is to help people to and inspire people to to make that life that they have on planet earth that one shot just to live it to the full yeah and i'm drawn to the one of the projects you had in the past which is taking people to an island getting access to an island and like you're the sort of person that like sort of dreams those things and makes them happen now i know so many people uh, in my world would have had experiences where they have these different ideas, they might think about it and then they might, you know, think about the fear and the judgment, what if I get it wrong? So so how were you able to be a person like that where I'm just going to have, I'm just going to take this on, I'm just going to see where this leads and I'm going to, I've created the vision, now I'm going to actually make it happen. It's interesting because I think I've always been like that from from such a young age. So when I was younger, um, uh, say in my teens, I <laughs> I was uh, I was passionate about being in the TV world and the TV industry. And at one point, there wasn't a, a TV production company in the country I was living in the UK that didn't know about me and what I was up to. I was sending them monthly updates as to my journey to, to make it in the TV world. And I was, uh, you know, I was doing my, my mates were kind of kicking around the park and I was doing work experience at the BBC in London at the weekends. And whenever I did anything like that, I would then get in touch with my local newspaper. And I was always in the local newspaper for, for, for doing something. But I've, I've always been like that. And I, I kind of don't know where that comes from, but how it accelerated, and I know we'll go deeper into this, was a, 
I, I and we discussed before we went live about how I actually got to a stage in my life where life was tough and I attempted to take my own life. And and so when you talk about this island business that I created, I did that off the back of attempting to take my own life. So I launched a global business, having not built a business before. It was global from day one. But my understanding was, well, if if I launch this business and it doesn't work and I go bankrupt, it doesn't matter because I'm still here. So so the comparison was was almost I, I can risk everything because what I nearly lost was literally everything. Yeah. Again, we were talking before we came on about how that eventuated. Was that was that the moment that changed everything for you? Or was it something that in the lead up to that, what, what was that moment where where you were suddenly saw life in a completely different way? Um, I think I've got to give the context. So I'm one of six children um, from the UK, now living in Australia. And we were brought up in the Christian world. You know, we went to Sunday school every Sunday morning. And, and that's just we had, you know, uh, Bible meetings and during the week on our home. And we just, we were just brought up in that Christian community and, and all the, the values and belief system that, that comes along with that. And so I, I ended up studying theology. So I studied theology and religious studies for three years. And I, but I'd always known that at least I, I struggled with my sexuality. So I was struggling with my sexuality. The, the Bible said that homosexuality was wrong. The community that I was involved with said that it was wrong. Um, and so I, I forced myself down this path of, let, let's call it forced heterosexuality. Like, you know, I was a, you know, I was a forced <laughs> heterosexual. Um, and so I got married. I got married at a young age. I believe that either um, either A, God could heal me of my sexuality or, or B, um, that I could love any individual, let's say, irrespective of their outside bits. It's, it's, it's the essence of the person. Um, that I could love, but it got to the point where, you know, you, 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 you're growing up and, and of course, you know, you, you become more aware of your sexuality or, or, or sexual desires, let's say. And so I just, it, it was just, this, it just got to this place where I was speaking on stages, like, like Christian stages all over the UK. I'd written a Christian book. I was publishing um, two magazines every quarter, um, I was really growing in the Christian world and yet my life was crumbling apart because I was having arguments with my wife. I knew that I was struggling with my sexuality. And so I actually got to the stage where I'd, I'd went to church leaders about this and I've experienced everything, Ian, like the, the church leaders laying hands on me to expel the demon of homosexuality from me. Like this is, it's, it's funny to reflect on now, but incredibly painful at the time. Mm. Um, but I got to the stage where my marriage was over. And so my wife walked out and I, I Googled um, most quickest and painless way to die. Uh, and that night I attempted to take my own life. And I, I did so because I just couldn't see any way out. The The hardest thing to do was to come out to myself, let alone anybody else. Leading up to that point, mm. the pressure must have been immense. And I imagine a lot of that would have been what you were placing on yourself. So, mm. so, what was that experience like? How, how did you like even get to to that point? Because I imagine forcing yourself, as you described, like if you force yourself in any area of your life, it's a challenge. But for something that's such a big part of your life in terms of your who you are, and then another massive part of your life, which is how you've been brought up and and family, the church, all those things, like there must have just been this swirling sea of all sorts of, well, confusion, I imagine, and, and pressure. Yeah. I mean, growing up, before before I got married, growing up, I was um, 
I remember as a teenager, we had a, a, a dartboard and I remember like so vividly, like I was throwing darts at this dartboard because I was so, I was struggling with my sexuality so much. And I was literally just throwing this dartboard at the dartboard. And I was saying, I was literally saying, uh, God, if you want me on your team, let it hit, I don't know, 10. Satan, if you want me on your team, you know, and, and it was that extreme in my mind because I've been brought up in this environment where where the innate feelings that I had were so against God and God's desires as to who he create, how he created human beings to be. So, you know, I was in a Pentecostal church. It was very charismatic, it was very um, against um, homosexuality. So it, it was constantly this internal battle and, and, and even, you know, having, um, thoughts about guys it, it, I, I scolded myself every time i did it like mentally um it, it was it was awful it was horrible i mean kids go through enough when they're dealing with sexuality and growing up and through puberty and all that kind of stuff and you know, like it, it, this internal intense battle all the time so i i kind of just decided to surrender and go down the god route thinking um that 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 it would all get better, that that it would all change, and it and it didn't. Mm. If just me listening to that, like it, it sounds exhausting, but it must like it must have taken its toll on you physically, mentally, and emotionally. Yeah, and I think the other side of that is look, I'm I'm always upfront about you know what I've been through and what, what's gone on. And so I was in the Christian world, I was married, um, as I said, but you know, I, I, I did cheat on my wife with, with men, you know, it was a, and that was the, at the time in my own mind, I was a classic Jerry Springer TV show, you know, my, yeah. my husband had gone off with his best friend or whatever, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. And in my own mind, where that placed me was the lowest of the low. Not only was I gay, which was against what I was taught in terms of homosexuality, in terms of the Bible and Christianity and what God does or doesn't love, but then I'd also sinned by cheating on my wife. So in my mind, I I was the worst of the worst. I was like this individual that are just you know i i had no self-respect so you have that moment where you've taken your own well you've attempted to take your own life like mm. was it like uh you took pills or something and then you suddenly woke up in a hospital like what like and and it's okay if you share <laughs> yeah. if you're, it's okay if you're i'm asking sorry is this okay if you share this by the way yeah. So, yeah, I took a whole bunch of pills um, uh, in a house on my own with alcohol. And and I was kind of going out. I mean, I've, I've actually never spoke about this at this level, uh, which is fine. But I was going in and out of consciousness. And I, I'll never forget. Uh, there was this there was this bang on the door and I kind of ultimately dragged myself out of bed um and and opened the door and and there was nobody there and and whether that was real or whether it was in my mind i don't i don't know um but i i you know i'm convinced like there was this bang at the door and i opened it and there was nobody there and i i just knew that i had to um i i just had to call an ambulance and, and that's what i did I just got full body tingles, pins and needles to work through that. Um, I've also experienced one of those knocks on the door. Uh, oh, really? Part of me knew that there would be no one there, and of course there wasn't. And mm. um, mine came in a dream, so a little bit different, but it sounds like you were kind of in that sort of dream state. Mm. And for me, it's like that's that's the higher calling, right? It's like mm. you've got something bigger. So have you thought about that knock on the door as being something like that or you haven't really like looked at it that way yeah well i think afterwards i 
I told some people about that and they were like, no, no, nobody knocked on the door. You, you know, and, 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 and whether they did or didn't, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I heard it, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I heard it. And, and whether it was, yeah. you know, in my mind or in reality, it was the, and, and yeah. Matter, and, and so, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I think that's, that's a springboard that's enabled me to just focus on just creating the life that I want because, that 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 all everything that I do is, is about purpose, and I'm so passionate about purpose because of that. Like we can just, I, I nearly wiped my existence off the face of the planet. Something um, pulled me out of that situation, um, which is you know potentially ironic that I was in the church for many many years, speaking on stages and all this kind of stuff, and yet there was this call it divine intervention or whatever you like the that pulled me out of the depths of what I was nearly in. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I acknowledge the fact that it, it, it did something somewhere, somehow someone changed my life. Oh man. Uh, Cause that wasn't lost on me either. And that, that was going to be one of my questions before you said that, but now I'm even more intrigued. I grew up in a Christian background as well. And I eventually got to the point where I, I can't do all of those bits that I don't like. So rather than trying to find a way that made it work, I just went completely the opposite direction, right? And I, I switched off from any sense of spirituality in that time. Now having come back to that place of spirituality, not through a through a lens of, lens of a church or a particular religion, but through my own connection, I'm curious to know, have you been able to make peace with God or the universe or however you want to put it, a higher power? And if so, how have you been able to do that? It's a great question. And, you know, I think I went through various stages. So after after I attempted to take my own life, I, I, I wanted to get, for some reason, wanted to get back into the church as quickly as possible because it's all I knew. Like I, I, I knew the church community. I didn't know the what was called the secular world because I'd never lived in it. Um, so I went to an extremely Pentecostal church, which was an awful experience and left very quickly. Um, I was angry. I was angry at God for so long. I was angry with a God that I'd didn't know whether I whether existed or wasn't sure that I existed for so long. Like, yeah. like if, yeah. you know, if God really cared and really loved me, why would he allow me to go through this? Right. And then I came to this understanding that like in, in my Christian world and Christian life, when I was speaking on stages and speaking in churches and all this kind of stuff, um, I was so adamant I was so adamant because I knew the Bible inside out and, and and anybody could chuck a Bible verse at me and I could explain the context and explain, you know, the uh, uh, corresponding kind of belief in the Bible. And I, I came to this realization that, that, that the, the, let me explain it. So the finite, so that which ends, that's what, that which has been created and ends right, can never comprehend the mind of the infinite. So if if God, my understanding was, if God was real, for all of my life, I've thought God's real and I'm telling everybody exactly what God believes and exactly what God says, and that's absolute nonsense. How can, how can the created understand the mind of the creator? Yeah. And, and, and that's the piece that I've kind of got to, that – you know, we, we live in this incredible world and whether it's been divinely created or not, there is there is such a beauty and order in the world that that to connect with that at a beyond the, you know, beyond the um, everyday level, but to a spiritual level actually brings depth to who we are as human beings. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure that this isn't the only life that we're going to live, but, you know, I'm excited for that journey. Yeah, me too, and I, I uh, share that same belief. Um, I love how you articulated that. Um, I'd, I'd love to dig a bit more there, if if that's okay, just around the aftermath of that, because I imagine that that would have created a fair bit of trauma around take attempting to take your own life 
and then everything that, like you said, you, that was the, you said basically that was the night where your marriage was over and all these other things playing out. You're, you're heavily involved in the church. All of these things come crashing down. It must have had ongoing impacts for you from a, from a particularly mental and emotional perspective. It impacted me from every point of view. So, so again, the context that I was, I was a church leader in a church and I was running a Christian ministry in a church. My friends were in the church, you know? So, so when this got out and uh, essentially Mark, who is a church leader has had, you know, um, an affair outside of marriage with a man, I was, everything was stripped from me. So, so we're talking about my, my, um, the kind of Christian ministry, the nonprofit organization that I had was taken off me. My income was stopped immediately. I was excommunicated from the church at the age of, I'd say 24, maybe. Um, I had to move back to the side of the UK to, to, to live with my parents once I've, I've built this life for myself. And so living where my parents were, you know, of course, all my friends that were at school had gone on to uni and built their own life. I literally had nothing. I had no, because I've been working in the Christian world. I had no job. I had nothing. And so it, it, it battered my head for a long time. I was angry. And, and when I got back, my, for a long time, my mum said that, like, she would often say that, I, I was physically there, but mentally it was like I was I was checked out. Um, I was struggling to mentally survive, literally. What what a blessing to to have your parents allow you to come back to your home because that seems normal for most of us. But I also know many people in your situation that wouldn't have been okay either. So so what what was their reaction like? Like um like how, how did they process it? Yeah, it's interesting. So, I mean, for a long time, I didn't tell them. Like, you know, I, I got divorced in the divorce papers, stated the fact that I'd had a relationship with a guy. I hid that from my parents. Um, I, I didn't tell them for a while. And I, I knew that I, I had to kind of conquer telling my dad first. Um, and and so I took him out to the pub. And after a few drinks, um I told him and I struggled because the first time I said to him, this is literally the context. The first time I said to my dad, dad, I've got something to tell you. He said to me, you're not quitting uni. You're not having any more money, you know? And I was like, no, no, it's nothing like that. I said, I'm engaged to be married. And he was like, I'm so happy. She's lovely. I'm so excited. So the next kind of dad, I've got something to tell you was dad. I'm gay. And you know, I'll never forget his response. And we went back recently to the UK and I was talking to my partner about it then, but he said to me, um, he said to me, Mark, I, I don't believe it's biblical, but there's lots of things that I've done in my life that aren't biblical either. And therefore I can't judge you. And, and I love that response because it was, here are my principles. You know, this, I'm still, this is still what I believe. Yeah. But, I'm on the same plane level as you. And that was just an amazing um, conversation. And then That's I told beautiful. my mum, I told my, yeah. And I told my mum and, um, and my mum said to me, she said, Mark, you know, last year for Christmas, I bought you high school musical, the DVD. That was like an olive branch. <laughs> I said, she knew. And she was, she was like, I, I, I've always known. <laughs> Yeah. Oh um, wow! Um, yeah, that must have made, like um, I don't know. Tell me, relief, but also then like, oh wow! Wish I'd had this conversation long ago. Well, like, what? How did that sort of play out for you? Yeah, look, as I said, the hardest thing to do was to come out to myself. Um, every but coming out to anybody else was still tough. But it, you know, I knew my parents would would, would not have an issue. They love me for who I am. But. Um, I suppose I, I, I'm not, this is not, uh, I'm not blaming my parents here at all, but, but I, I did think, gosh, if I'd have, if I'd have had the courage to come out earlier, then I wouldn't have been through half the things that I've been through. You know, I, I wouldn't, my, my life, my path would be so different. 
And of course, you know, within this, and I can't negate this, you know, you know, I, I married somebody who was a, a beautiful woman. And uh, I knew that once she walked out of that marriage, I'd never see her again. And so there was not, and I haven't, I've never seen her. I, I haven't. And so there was the, the pain of going, struggling with my sexuality. And there was the pain of taking somebody else on board that journey that was equally left in pain that didn't deserve to be on that journey. And, and that was tough. Like she, she's an awesome woman, you know, I don't know her now, I've known her for many years, but she didn't deserve that either. And, and, you know, there's all that regret around, I wish I'd done things differently if I'd have come out earlier and, and none of that can be changed. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you find your strength again, Mark? So going through all of that, having to overcome all of the grief and and pain that comes out the other side of that, as you as you as you said, come out to yourself. Yeah, how did you find that that your own inner power and strength again? There was, uh, and as I say, it was incredibly painful. Painful at the same time, there was just relief. Um, uh, not, not to not not to be the gay guy that quotes a musical but you know the greatest showman there's a song <laughs> that song that says this is me and it, and it was it was just like finally like this is me and this is who i am and if you if you like it if you like me awesome if you don't i, I don't i don't care i, I think i'd you know, I'd fought for so long to try and build this pretense or, or build this image and, and fit this kind of mold that, that everybody else wanted me to be in. That, it, as you said earlier, it was exhausting. So finally, it was like, I've just accepted who I am. And like, this is it. Like, if you, yeah, if you, if you want to be mates, awesome. If you don't, I don't care anymore. <laughs> I'm done. It's- and sometimes we have to go to the absolute wall to the depths of our soul to come to that point. But there's something that you said there is like the more you stepped into who you truly were, that that's that sense of self, like the relief that comes with that. So anyone listening to this, if if you know that there's part of you, no, no matter what we're talking about, like whether it's a project you know you need to go and pursue, a, a, a higher purpose or whatever else, or if it is your sexuality, the relief that comes like and then exactly what you described is man how different could my life have been if i'd actually done this sooner and sorry go no you go rock bottom was the beginning of the revelation of my purpose and i think so many people know that they are on the edge of a rock bottom moment whether it's relationships, career, finances, health even. And, and we're, it's like we're, we're, we're on the edge. We don't want to fall into rock bottom because we're scared of what that is, whether it's the judgment of others or, or what the eventuality of that might become. But sometimes we have to accept rock bottom to, to then allow ourselves to become the most beautiful, authentic, congruent, happy version of ourselves. But I often wonder how many people are skirting on the edge of rock bottom, not willing to fall in because they're scared of the unknown, but not realizing what could be if they allowed themselves just to to, to hit that place. 100%. And, and I'd take that to another level and, and, and ask everyone to go within and think, have I actually already had that rock bottom? Because... I don't know if it's the same with you, but when, when you're helping people find their story, that's one of the things that you, you showed me, right, is like what was that catalyst for change moment? I, I think most people when they get to, to sort of adult age, 30s, 40s, 50s, they've already had that rock bottom. But how many more rock bottoms are you going to go through before you actually take the action? So now getting to more of what it is you do today or the journey to getting there, so you, you've you've found this place of the relief of being true to yourself. Um, I imagine the healing would have 
continued because grief doesn't just stop and then everything's mm. good. There's like there's more layers and more layers and they can keep coming time and time again. Like um, I can remember uh, nearly 11 years to the day after my dad passed just walking home and just getting hit by a wave of emotion and, and just tears out of nowhere. So it continues. Mm. But if you think about like all that you had overcome and, and then building that strength again, like how much that actually gave you to go and build what you've built since then. Yeah, and I'd say that self-confidence or, or having building confidence was something that took a long time, um, whether it's in business. Um, I, I, I always knew that I could be successful. I, I, I've always instinctively just known that. Um, I've never worked for anybody else ever in my life, and I'm, I'm fortunate to be able to say that. But But it's only when... I truly became confident in myself and accepted, accepted, not just accepted my sexuality, but accepted the fact that I cheated on my wife with another guy. You know, I accepted just, just the fact that these things happened. It's okay. It doesn't make me a bad person. Like I, I was so in, like I, I, I was walking through my life, even though I'd, you know, come through this, but I was still angry. I was angry with like, how, how could somebody do that? How could I do that at that point in time in my life? How could I treat somebody like that? You know? And it's when I just came to that place of acceptance of it happened. And, um, the, that act was wrong, but it, that's not me. That's not who intrinsically who I am. Then, then everything just felt more peaceful and that confidence of just, you know, Mark, you're an awesome person um, enabled me to scale my business and, and just grow in the most amazing ways in my business and, and, and building a, I was always hitting this wall in business of like a hundred thousand dollars a year. And it was that um, just that acceptance of who I am and what I am um, that enabled me to hit multiple seven figures um, just because I was happy and confident. <laughs> I'd love to hear more about that journey. So, because I think about how many people watching this who would be early on in their business journey. Mm. So you go from that place of rock bottom, like did you get help? Did you have mentors along the way? Did you um, go through processes where you released um elements of that grief of that trauma of that pain um like what were some of those steps along the way that that not only helped you to get where you are now but actually allows you to be the expert in helping other people to do exactly the same thing mm. so i um I, I dealt with it a lot on my own badly to start with um and so I, I raced into this business, so I, I, I wanted to keep myself busy, so I launched this crazy idea and leased this 200-acre island in Fiji. Um, it became a TV show in three countries. It, it, it was insane. And, and, and look, I'm just honored, and I'll, I'll use the word blessed, but like six months after attempting to take my own life, no, it was three months after attempting to take my own life, I, I was in 200 media outlets around the world. I was on Good Morning America, Today Show, New York Times. This thing was being filmed as a TV show. And yet my confidence still wasn't there. I was relying on, I was still dealing with all the trauma that we've just discussed. I was relying on my business partner to make it happen. And um, uh, uh so I, yeah, so I, I was still, it's, it's been a lengthy process. Um, I, I, I moved to Australia, um, and I, um, yeah, I, I was still struggling. I, I actually would turn to drink. I was drinking and, and it, and it was awful. And I was still just dealing with how could I, how could somebody do that to somebody else? Um, I used to look, I'll be honest. I used to send messages to my ex-wife on Facebook, having drunk alcohol, begging her for her forgiveness. I never got a response and I don't necessarily blame her, but I'm talking about that's the internal turmoil that, that I was going through. Um, and so 
I actually went to um, to see a psychologist um, or a counselor, as it were. It was not a psychologist; it was a counselor. And I just, I, I just said, "Look, I'm just going to lay it all on you." I just, I just needed to tell somebody everything, you know, cheating on my wife with a guy, and it was just everything. Um, and 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 those four or five sessions were, were just so good. It was like finally somebody knows this secret that I have that that Mark Bonnes is the worst human being to ever have walked on planet Earth, which is what was in my mind. You know, yeah. to to have somebody just rationalize that with me was just that that was you know the beginning of that awesome journey. Yeah, and and I, I just want to honor you for that because. It's what so many people, particularly men, aren't doing enough of, and that's talking. And and the relief and the release that comes from just opening up, because like you said, we often have those conversations with ourselves as talking about ourselves to ourselves as the worst human being in the world. It doesn't have to be that way. And and just having a voice and having that space so important, yeah. And also, but the opposite. So the opposite was there was was um, as I say, it's it's kind of mentally beating myself up. But instead of talking to people, going to drink, you know. And I knew there were times that I'd be in the shower at ten o'clock in the morning. I knew by midday I would be in the pub, and it got to the stage where it was almost like nothing could stop this happening. It was an eventual eventuality. And then what that what that nearly caused was I would then be so angry, like I was this angry drunk. In that I'll be messaging my partner uh, and uh, her same sex relationship now, and uh, and and that that hangover of not dealing with the previous stuff nearly became the thing that destroyed my current relationship and and and, and my partner said i i can't do this anymore like like if this is the way things are going to be then you know we're going to have to end this relationship because i can't live like this and it, and it, and it was fair and i remember there was one day when i was going to do my walk to the pub. I was going to walk to the pub and I was walking to the pub and that's where I was heading. And I knew that if I continued to walk to the pub, then my relationship would be over my, my, you know, everything. When was this going to end? And that day I walked past the pub and I literally walked 30,000 steps in that day. And I didn't stop walking. And for me, it was this walking just to get this out of my system you know, just to keep going. And that's when I decided to give up alcohol and, and, and haven't drunk since. But it was my point there is that, you know, it's so easy to beat ourselves up, not tell anybody, but to allow it to do, destroy ourselves internally because we're not sharing it. Mm. What what sort of played out? Because it almost sounds like a second rock bottom moment to to motivate you to stop drinking was there was there other stuff going out going on in your life were there other relationships or like anything else that was happening that that had you going okay something's got to change um uh, it, it, it was the impact of, well it was the impact it was having on my partner uh, and also um the impact it was having on my business because you know if you're hungover and you've got you know you've got days where you're not working because you were drinking or hungover then it slows down slows down the growth of your business um so look it was just destructive and i, I just it was still i think you know if we i think what's interesting here is that that if we talk about the context of what i've just shared with you and there was that coming out and to myself and being accepting of that then there's the the, the kind of hangover of the implications of my actions, which led to guilt. And then there was dealing with the guilt. And as you grow older and you mature, it's like, how could that person have done that to somebody else? You know, so, so you, so this grief and this dealing with this and, and this um, getting yourself back to full health is an evolutionary process. And that's what I was working through. So now I've accepted the fact that, man, there are times when, you know, I still every now and then I'll have a dream about my ex-wife. That was that was many years ago. And I'm acceptance of the fact, accepting of the fact that um, 
I still struggle with who I was then, but these are a grateful reminders that I'm grateful for because if I've, if I'd have walked away gone, screw her, the world was wrong. You know, I'm grateful of the fact that there's still this element of guilt because ultimately I I'll say this, I know how beautiful I am. Love it. Now you mentioned how in your previous life for want of a better expression, Mm -hmm you had this community and you were basically kicked out. Is that a conscious decision for the work that you've done since then around helping and creating a number of different communities and then helping other people build communities because there wasn't part of you that then had to go and find a new community? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I loved – the community of the church would be in each other's houses. We'd be eating and drinking and, you know, we'd have people turn up to our house and they'd just open the, the fridge and help themselves. I, I loved being in that environment. I loved it. And, you know, we'd have sleepovers at the church and it was such a, you had people around you and, and loved it. And when I came out of that, as, as I've explained, um, you know, I came back to living with my parents, no, literally no friends, nothing. And so I missed that community and, uh, yeah, I, I think community has been so important to me because I've experienced it and lost it. And I know that, like, even even then getting out into the kind of the gay community and building relationships there that have helped me to become who I am. I know the importance of community. And, and yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm madly passionate about helping people to build communities that can change people's lives. Love it. <laughs> Mind sharing with us what? what you see as the importance of community? Quite simply, people. Um, You know, we just live in this world where it's so busy now. We're all so busy. And obviously, as a result of COVID, we've seen less of people. Even now, you know, you go into the supermarket and stuff and people are still, I'm incredibly wary, um, you know, of being in in big environments uh, amongst a lot of people, right? And I just that power of human connection of just sitting down and talking to one another openly, honestly, you know, sharing what's going on for us, and just you know, we were built to be in community. We were built to be around people, and we. I think it's so easy for us to think that we're doing that because we can message somebody on Facebook or or even uh, because we can be around somebody or people physically, but we're still on our phones, right? You know, I just think we've missed the importance of community and being around people. And to me, that's, that, that's, that's what it's all about. I love that. So how do you make sure that you now pro- still prioritize community for yourself, not just other yeah. people's when, when that's part of the work that you do? It's a, again, it's a great question because I, I work hard and, I, you know, I, I constantly challenge myself on this, especially as myself and my partner, we've, we've moved, we were in Sydney, we've moved back to Melbourne. So you've got to like building a community from scratch or, or building people around you from scratch is so hard. Um, so, you know, we're, we're really pushing ourselves and I'm constantly pushing myself, but we've been going to the uh, golf driving range. Um, we've had, we, we actually went on um, Facebook to post in a, a local group to ask if there was people that that we could pay, but to come to our house and teach us about gardening. Uh, we've got this kind of garden, and I don't know what I'm doing with it, but it, it's the <laughs> idea of it's the idea of like um, the kind of the, the the transmission of experience from one generation to another, you know, and it's just kind of embedding ourselves in that community. We've got um, involved in, in the gay community and just, just hanging out with people. I mentioned to you before we went live that um, myself and my partner have started the surrogacy process, you know, as a same sex partner um, surrogacy process. And, you know, we're, we're now involved in this community of, um, you know, rainbow dads but 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 gay parents and figuring out how that works and you know so just just making sure that we're embedding ourselves in communities but but also giving ourselves a break and time to chill out as well beautiful getting that balance right (laughs) now now you've mentioned yeah you've mentioned a few times um like you've you've kept pushing forward at different times now i I know you're a a big picture thinker and uh Mm. 
you, you, you're awesome at creating big visions. And so I imagine a lot of the time you, you're just getting new ideas all the time, like constantly new ideas, new ideas. Is that where you find that flow where it does become effortless and there's less of that push or is it somewhere else that you get that? Um, I think for me, it's it's the the ability to create something from scratch that didn't exist prior. I just, I just, I, I love this, and I'm so fascinated by it because everything that you see, feel, touch, every automobile, plane, like everything has been conceived in the mind of somebody who then worked incredibly hard to turn that thing into reality, and and, and that is just the magic of human creation to me. And I love that. And, and, and I'd say when I was say younger, but even, you know, even 10 years ago, um, I was very much creative and, and, and yeah, I'm still am, but my partner, um, is quite the opposite to me and, um, would constantly talk to me about the concept of scaffolding and my partner would be very much like you've got these dreams and these ideas but you, we need to start here and we the the dream is at the top but we need to layer these things in and build towards it otherwise it's never going to happen and for quite a while i was quite resistant to that and i was like no but you don't understand how entrepreneurs like me work because you're in the corporate <laughs> world and 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 suddenly this kind of sunk in this concept of you know just not just having random ideas that never um uh, come to anything um but building and and that's what my partner instilled in me um and yeah and and so i i now feel like i have a balance of creative ideas but but making sure that there's a process in place to turn them into reality that's how i I feel like i can help my clients too (laughs) yeah that sounds like you're uh you're a great connection from that sense is that you really complement complement each other well um it made me think of uh some of the work that i've done with people who have gone through traumatic breakups and and ending of relationships Mm. and their challenges around then finding a new relationship um Mm you're in a, a happy, loving partnership now. What were the challenges like getting to that place where you were even ready to contemplate spending your life with someone else? So, so, um, uh, so I've, as I've gone through the process in the UK and I was living with my parents and then I was kind of doing some consultancy with the business that I had and the business that I had in terms of the business of Fiji, um, it gave me a lot of opportunities. So I was, uh, look, I, I started to, uh, let's say heavily explore, uh, my sexuality. And, <laughs> you know, I was like a, a kid in a candy shop when it came to like a gay bar or I remember my first, my first pride in Manchester. And I was like a, like a kid in a candy shop. I was, this is incredible. And yeah. You know, good looking guys, but also just people that are attractive because they are proud of who they are and they fully accept that. So I, I then, I then moved to London and, uh, Again, when we talk about building communities, I, I moved to London to work for a TV production company called Endemol, and my job was coming up with the ideas for TV shows. It was a consultant, um, so they employed me on my terms. Um, and so I, I got into this trap of going to bars to find love, you know, uh, because I didn't I didn't have any friends. So I'd just go to Soho in London and and hang out there. And my mum was very much like, you will, you're you not going to find a partner in a gay bar and all, all this kind of stuff. Anyway, two years down the track. Um, and, you, and you were thinking, was, oh, I'll show you, mum. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did get to the stage that maybe she's right. Um, you know, was, guys in bars are only after one thing, you know, that kind of stuff. And anyway... Um, I, I was, I was running a business and had this really kind of difficult day in business. And I, this, this is incredible. So I went to, that was in London in Soho. So I just finished early and went to this bar and in this bar was this guy, this guy was Australian and he was in the UK for three days on a, a European part of a European trip. Um, his friends had gone off to, um, the Stonehenge for the day and he didn't want to. So he went into the gay bar. And so we just started talking. Uh, 
we'd had a few drinks. He said, hey, would you like to grab some dinner tonight with me? And and in my mind, I'm like, like, why would I do that? Why would I just accept dinner from some random guy? But I said, yes. So we started to hang out together. The rest of the three days, we hung out together. We ended up having a, a long distance relationship for two years. And then we got to the stage where one of us has to make a decision. And um, and I decided to move to Australia. And we've been together now for, I think it's 11 years. Um, but that was a, a sliding doors moment where if my business wasn't going basically really bad at the time and I didn't leave early, my partner friend, he didn't want to go to you know Stonehenge. It was just one of those moments that, that literally just changed the trajectory of our lives i moved to australia amazing do you do you miss well i'll call it home but home's australia now but do you miss where you came from yeah look i i think i don't know um i i certainly miss my family um it, it was horrible um to to be in covid and uh you know i didn't see my family for three years um, during that time, I, I, I found out that my dad had a, a cancer diagnosis as well, which was just heartbreaking. Uh, mm. Luckily, he's he's doing very, very well. Um, but I think, uh, look, I'll be honest and say that I, I think there are so many parts of um, the UK that actually have a bit of a negative experience for me because in the church, I was traveling everywhere and there was the marriage. And uh, so... I, I don't miss the UK because of that. Like everywhere I go in the UK, there's some sort of, you know, pain at, attached to it, right? Um, yeah. But I, I obviously desperately miss, miss my family. Yeah, yeah, I bet. You've mentioned TV a few times and you've worked in it from a different place. Does, mm-hmm. like, do you enjoy this? this medium like getting in front of a camera and or just a microphone and talking or is it more that behind the scenes creativity that you like when i was a kid i always wanted to be on tv like uh, like i i would uh, i would put together these show reels um and send them off to people when there's a uh, saturday morning children's tv show in the uk and this was the the confidence that i had so saturday morning tv show and and the presenter announced that he'd he was quitting and this was live TV. So I sent, um, I sent my showreel and I sent a letter to the producer. And I literally said to the producer of this show, I said, you, you don't need to look for a TV presenter anymore. You need to stop your search literally because here I am, you know, and, and like, you know, I'd never presented TV before. I'd never done live TV before. That's the kind of cockiness and confidence that I had. And that led to that led to him saying, no, you, you're not right for this, but why don't you come and so there was a TV show called Record Breakers. Um and they invited me to to do work experience at the BBC and and, and it opened up an incredible door for me. But I was always passionate about um kind of being on TV. I don't know why. Um I just love the medium of 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 TV and you know, helping people to change and transform their lives and inspire people, make people cry and uh, whatever level that is. So, you know, I love this stuff, um, but I, I'm really, I'd love to get back into TV one day. Yeah, yeah, one day. I love it. It seems like a good fit for you. Uh, you certainly come alive in front of a, in front of a camera. <laughs> you mentioned early on that going through what you went through as a youngster, those challenges around like then the confusion around your sexuality and and particularly amplified through the church how do you go from at that age no confidence or really lacking confidence in so many areas to being that you described then cocky young fellow going and sending that sort of letter and uh and real to a tv station and I think, look, I, I, and that happened. I sent that before I was married. Um, what's interesting is when we earlier you asked me about grief and different stages of my life that I experienced grief. And there was this one kind of moment where I, I, I'd worked towards going to um, university um, in the UK called Bournemouth University. It was, it was the best course in the country for media production. It was, I'd worked my, my entire um, career for this. Um, 
uh, in my career, my education, um, and I, I got a place, and 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 I was so happy. This was the other side of the UK, and I, I went for a couple of semesters, but I I lost confidence, and the reason that I lost confidence is because. I was struggling with my sexuality at school. I was, uh, I mentioned earlier before we started recording that I, I, I felt the grief of being the odd one out, you know, uh, because, because all the boys were playing football and sport and that was never me. I was kind of into drama and, you know, I was launching a school radio station and yeah, but I was always the odd one out and, and there was that safety you know, still tough, but the the local kind of world that I was in, my local community, you walk down to the shops and then I'd had this big dream to go to this university and and suddenly my own um, um, kind of internal um, struggle with myself hindered me from building relationships, building friendships. I felt like the odd one out, you know, um, everybody else was building relationships and hanging out and going out to clubs. And, and I was just, I didn't know who I was or what I was. And so my, my confidence stopped me. Uh, I actually moved back home again. And that's when I went and studied theology, like <laughs> totally different course. And that I have, I have grief still around what would happen if I'd have just had that confidence then. So kind of to answer your question, I was confident up until a point in the safety of my own community, um, but still doubting myself. And then I, I struggled with my sexuality. I struggled to figure out who I was. So there was this big kind of chasm of going to uh, going to university, uh, being involved in the church, studying theology, getting married, and then, out the other side where I was then dealing with my sexuality. So from those years, I wasn't confident. I was trying to figure it out. I was, I was making it up, you know, as, as I went along. And then it was only through finally this, this is me, um, that I then just excelled in, in, in kind of my confidence. So yeah, I've always been cocky and confident. Um, but Naturally. you know, if that's yeah, but if that's not founded on a deep sense of knowledge of who you are, it's it's not real cockiness and confidence. Yeah, and I'm drawn to one of the programs that I know that you've had in the past. I don't know if you're still doing doing this, but helping people to get into the media themselves, like it's a path that you've known. It's a path that, from all you've described, <laughs> it was quite effortless, right? And so. I'm curious about what's next for you. Is it is it mm. like part of it is like clearly getting back into TV because you said you'd love to do that at some point. Is it is it helping people in this particular area? I know you've got lots of different projects, but maybe more. Yeah. What's what's the sort of at the essence of who you are that's going to be part of that expansion? And yeah, we've talked about lots of different things and, and, you know, that is, is the kind of spirit of an entrepreneur. So the stuff that we originally talked about that you and I connected with, with, with regards to communities, I have somebody that works with me building that, um, in terms of PR, um, yeah. So I work with a, a client who's a, she runs a PR company and her business did very well. And I saw the opportunity to help coaches, consultants, and experts to get in the media and small businesses. Um, and so I actually invested in building. So I actually own a PR company um, that Susie's running that, that's kind of the media side. Um, but look, if I pull it right back and talk passionately, uh, the idea of the app that I'm working on is, is Inspo. And, and if we go right back to when I Googled most quickest and painless way to die, I'm building this app, Inspo, which enables people to ask celebrities, influencers, and experts questions and receive personalized responses to help them to improve their lives. And that comes back to exactly that moment when I didn't Google counselor, psychologist. I didn't have anybody, like if I think that right, if this app existed now and I could ask a leading gay icon how they overcame their sexuality and how they came out, just that knowledge would have transformed my life very quickly in that moment. So this app is about providing people with the knowledge, wisdom, and experience that they don't yet have learning from those that do that they look up to, to create those pivotal points in their life that can take them on these incredible journeys. So that's what I'm desperately and deeply passionate about building. 
awesome. Now, I don't know if you've made this part of it, but to me, it one of those influences should be yourself because from everything you've talked about, you've you've walked the path so you know what that journey looks like. So at a micro level, what's what's the best bit of advice you could give someone who is going through difficult times and like you said, they can, they keep pushing until they hit that rock bottom. Like, but how do they stay out of getting to that place? Like, what's the best advice you can give them to move forward in a more positive way? Look, we can talk about techniques and, you know, counseling tools and resources and, and all of that is awesome, but I can only share the, 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 the boiled down piece of advice that I gave myself, <laughs> um, which is, it's truly understanding this one simple statement that we live life once. If I'm in a relationship that, uh, you know, it's constant arguments, we're both unhappy, but we're just there or a financial situation or a career or, or have a dream that I want to pursue for my life and I'm not doing it. If we actually give ourselves a moment, whatever we're going through, whether it's alcohol, drugs, whatever, you know, if we give ourselves a time for reflection and truly appreciate that this, this gift that we have, which is called being a human being on planet earth is a gift. And it's so special and incredible. If we truly understand that, then we would make the changes that we need to make in our lives to truly live that gift that we've been given. Oh, beautiful. Um, I talk about the gift in the grief and you've just summed it up perfectly. It's like through everything that you've been through, treating every day like a gift, uh, magic, Mark. And I, I really appreciate you and appreciate how open you've been and sharing things that, like you said, you haven't really shared in other platforms. I know people will take so much value from this chat and from, from all that you've shared. So thank you, mate. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity and for providing the space, buddy. Appreciate it. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Grief Code podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please share it with a friend or family member that you know would benefit from hearing it too. If you are truly ready to heal your unresolved or unknown grief, let's chat. Email me at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com. You can also stay connected with me by joining the Grief Code community at ianhawkinscoaching.com forward slash the grief code and remember so that i can help even more people to heal please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform